welcome to the Work Wifey's podcast. My name is Itzel. Hey, my name is Stephanie. And thank you for tuning in. If you're a first time listener, shout out to you. If you are a returner, shout out to you as well. Thank you for coming back. Uh, we missed you. Welcome to the space. Um, you are joining us in our makeshift studio you know humble beginnings out here under the swiffer with the blanket (laughs) y'all don't even want to know y'all don't even want to know so if any of our listeners audience members know anybody in the community with the stew we we trying to build that partnership you feel me we hope you enjoy this episode we really want folks to share their opinions and their comments, so please leave a comment, leave a review. Me and Itzel really want to read those, but follow us on Instagram, Twitter, WorkWifeys, and peace. Keep up with the content. Hey, Steph, how do you feel about episode number five? I'm excited. And it feels good to have five episodes because... We have a selection. Yeah, I could finally look at the episodes and say, dang, which one do I like the most? (laughs) Which one still resonates with me? And which one am I just not feeling? You know, (laughs) that's the reality of the podcast world. Yeah. There might be some episodes you do or don't like, but how are you feeling about it, Ito? I feel excited as well. I think, you know, like... Hmm. (laughs) it's been a long time coming i think i say that all the time but it's exciting to just be at a whole like we have a full hand steph we have a selection like we almost have enough to have an ep you know like an ep of podcasts well like okay so you know how there's like albums and music oh and like an album has like 13 songs or whatever and like that's what makes it an album yeah and then an ep is like half of an album so it usually only has like seven songs or is under i think like 25 minutes ep whatever the game is (laughs) we we out here we're a podcast so i don't think it it like it goes the same but Mm -hmm. i'm just saying that like we're we're just building we're accumulating episodes and I'm really proud of us for, for making it this far. Yeah, same. And today we're going to be highlighting violence against women, intergenerational trauma, and nonviolent communication. Yeah, and you might be wondering, how do all three of those things tie to each other? Uh, well, you gotta listen. We're gonna take you through a journey of some history, of some context, anecdotes of our lives. Personal experiences. Personal experiences, and also hearing how me and Stephanie grapple with the complexities of just unlearning our lives and coming to terms with 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 who we are. Yeah. And, yeah. So, we are always excited you know, to jump in. But today we did want to do things a little bit differently. Remix. <laughs> Remix. <laughs> I'm going to insert some, some yes, DJ some horns. horns. We just want to give a shout out. Not just want to give. This yeah. is the ultimate shout out, y'all. This is the ultimate shout out from our hearts. We created a whole section for, <laughs> for, for sure. these people. Yes. <laughs> we did. Y'all y'all should see it. And there's just a couple people in our circles, in our community that have been rocking with us since day 1, reposting our stuff ever since we launched, giving, giving us, us feedback, shout outs, feedback. We want to start off with Samantha, huge shout out to Sam for supporting us all the time, Mm -hmm. giving us shout outs, and we see you, girl. We love you. Yeah, shout out to Sam. Sam is also running for your school board in Marin. In Marin, and y'all know about Marin. It's particular demographic, but my girl is out there representing. Um, Yes, she is. Follow Sam. We often share her stuff on our on our Instagram. We just appreciate you, Sam, so much for being a good friend and also just a really good supporter of our work. Next person we want to shout out is jo- Joanna. Thank you for listening. Joe Money. That's my cousin. Thank you, cousin, for listening to our podcast and uh, just, you know, getting out the good word down there in Orange County, letting the good people know about what the resistance is about. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next up, we want to give a huge shout out to insert DJ Horns here to Rita, the one and only. Thank you for supporting us. Badass person. Yes. Always cheering us on and being we, a pillar. Yeah. We we appreciate you. We yeah. fuck with you. Rita also has her own podcast, yeah. Healing Out Loud. We'll put it in the comments. Yes, but we will. If you want to learn about the Lao community, Lao yeah, healing, diaspora. how that looks like in the Lao diaspora. All right. Next person we want to shout out is... Haiti. Haiti. Thank you for listening, for supporting us. We appreciate you. Yeah, we appreciate all of the positive feedback that you have to give us, or any feedback, really. Um, since day one, you have always just, like, believed in me and Stephanie and have, like, pushed us. The vision. Yeah, and, like, you just have so much vision for our podcast in ways that I think that sometimes we don't. And so, oh. thank you for... Honorary ambassador. <laughs> Haiti on the board of work wifey yes we love you girl we want to give a warm shout out to diana, hey, diana. aka the roomie the AKA. long live roomie always supporting encouraging hype woman yes all of these people are hype women but leave it to a leo queen to yes. take it to another level yeah shout out to diana thank you for always welcoming me into your space and you know it's safe to say that work wifey's has really been built in stephanie's house in the stew in the stew so shout out to you for for supporting us in that way yeah next up we want to give a warm shout out to lisa Lisa. hey girl what's up i just want to say thank you again each individual thank you is unique it's very meaningful yeah you all know how we feel about you individually we just want to shout you all out and so lisa i appreciate you so much for you know what like you were one of the very first persons who gave us feedback on our podcast and i really appreciate that because Mm. you keep it 100 100 with softness so thank you cancer child lisa <laughs> we doing we dropping zodiacs now. Uh, next up uh we want to shout out Chantel. Hey Chantel, thank you so much for always leaving us really uplifting comments and yes. words, feeling excited for when we drop yes. and you know it it makes a really big difference. It really when, does. When just putting your creativity out there and people kind of share it and repost so I hella appreciate that and me too. Thank you for for seeing us. We appreciate like all the positive comments you give us all the time and just like telling us how much our words resonate with you and your experience. Really empowering for us and we hope it's also empowering for you. You're just you know, you're a home girl and I can't wait to hang out with you after this pandemic or whenever it's safe (laughs) yes next up second to last we want to give a warm a very loving a very loud shout out to janice Janice. we hella appreciate you also posting our content being excited gassing us up Mm -hmm. the gas is all gas no breaks with janice all gas no motherfucking breaks like janice thank you for just like <laughs> seeing us pu- yes putting us on a cloud yeah. and like always being so supportive yes 100 percent. believing in our vision believing in our Spreading word the word yeah yep. like shout out to you janice much love much love and last but not least we want to shout out valerie <laughs> has been a supporter and yeah valerie's one of the people that has been the first person to kind of make a donation a monetary a monetary donation and typically before we start our podcast we've developed this ritual where we you know break bread that's what we were able to do and valerie your comment your text message your support means a lot and if you're listening Mm -hmm. right now what's up we we just want to send you a big big hug and thank you appreciation for just yeah your belief in all of us and notice how like this whole list was female identified people yep 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 homegirls supporting homegirls i love all of you i haven't met some of you same but i like appreciate the cyber solidarity and like (laughs) the cyber empowerment 
Um, we have your back just in the same way. You got a business? Let us know. We'll support you. Yeah. You got a little side gig? Let us know. We'll support you. Like We got you. It means so much to just know that there is like a people, solid yeah people that see your work people that honor it people mm-hmm. that give you encouragement in ways that you might not see it so yeah yeah and that see you you know it's like mm-hmm. beautiful to be seen you mm-hmm. know by other people but we appreciate so much from like the bottom of our hearts for supporting our, our little baby podcast and when we make it big and we're on npr don't worry we're gonna bring you with us yeah so yeah that was just like a little segment that we wanted to to incorporate into our episode so the day that we're recording this episode is sunday august 9th today officially marks six years that mike brown has been murdered and so for some or just to give some information mike brown was an 18 18 year old young black person in ferguson and uh, they were unarmed when police officer Darren Wilson uh, fired at him and took his life. And we just want to honor Mike Brown's life today and every day um, and honor the legacy that his murder has um, created in the Black Lives Matter movement. His life has definitely been a, a catalyst for a lot of the energy that we're seeing right now around Black lives in this country. For that, we want to honor honor mike brown thank you itself for bringing that up and reminding us of the the movement the timeline in our movement and centering black lives is a continuous journey and yeah job struggle struggle but to always center and honoring mike brown is a way to remember that the black life continues to be fought for Mm -hmm. every single day in, in the smallest of details and how relevant it still is even if people have stopped posting about it or the media says that there aren't protests when there really is protest still happening yes across the portland world. is popping off right now i know i've been seeing things about portland on twitter and how it's they're just wearing uh right shields gear, yeah. and riot gear yeah. and how it's still going on but media kind of shuts it down and that's another thing media just shows you what they want to show you and that's yes. how they fucking brainwash yeah us brainwash us alienate all of us yep um yeah like i don't we haven't we don't have this down but one thing that i wanted to mention really quick is just the story of uh Kanye west when he had his like campaign in mm-hmm. i think north carolina something like that uh but it was like something that went viral like two weeks ago where he was saying like harriet tubman d- like oh the yeah 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 which was like the the clip that we all saw but really it was part of like a larger clip where he, right. he actually said some real ass shit but media conflated things and didn't focus on that um uh, yeah Another way that media is focusing on the wrong things is just how they're telling the narrative of what happened in Beirut, Lebanon. So this past week, there was an explosion bombing that happened um, in Beirut and thousands of lives, innocent lives, were taken and were injured and or are missing. Um, and so we also just wanted to, to give a moment in our podcast to to send prayers and love to the people of Lebanon who are cleaning up um, and mourning the lives of their loved ones um, because the Lebanese government isn't isn't doing anything. Um, there's different conspiracies about what's like, I don't want to say conspiracies, but different narratives that are, that are going around about what actually happened in Beirut, Lebanon. And so we encourage all of you to read up on it. Again, come to your own conclusions. Somebody you can follow on Instagram to get more information about what's happening on the ground and different ways to help is uh, an account called Arabs for Justice. We'll include it in our episode notes um, and keep yourselves informed. Another thing that we just wanted to kind of bring into an open <laughs> check-in is motherfucking Meg the Stallion and Cardi B. What's up with WAP? WAP, WAP, WAP. How... We we just wanted to openly share our thoughts because 
they're receiving a lot of backlash yeah. on their song and there's a huge conversation happening around well what about male rappers oh and gosh. women rappers and why do they kind of get to say pussy and all this other stuff so it's you know it's a weird time so we we got to talk about that out loud yeah so okay let's start with what like with what our impressions are so what did you think of the video so i actually have not watched the video steph i know i sent it to you i know i just didn't watch it (laughs) my bad so i received the video from itza and i did not watch it you know i i just did not watch it but i've been seeing all these clips about Meg and Cardi mm-hmm. in the video, and then out of nowhere, fucking Kylie Jenner, Kylie Jenner pops out. Random and, white girl. Yeah, random white girl. It's so weird. But I really fuck with the song, and I think people are just being mad haters about it because they don't love, they don't love or appreciate seeing women create fucking black women, black women mm-hmm. specifically own and create parts of their sexuality be fucking sexually positive and liberated and Mm -hmm. radical and open you know when you're just just so open about your sexuality people Mm -hmm. just don't fuck with it dude yes sexuality makes people really uncomfortable like there are people who can't even say wet ass pussy because it sounds like taboo Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. um yeah i like yeah i i like your take on it i think that just you know like we stand megan the stallion like we are diehard like hot girl fans you know and so at least i think maybe just me, i huh? think it's just it's each just so that yeah. is the hardcore i just relate to men i still so much i still like her things, obviously i like her a lot too but meg <laughs> meg Itzel just really loves her. Yeah, I do. Um, but I thought it was a really good collaboration. I think everyone had like been waiting for Meg and Cardi to like team up. Um, and it was just like it was bomb. I loved like yeah, I, I was watching an interview where Cardi B was kind of explaining her process around it and she like just wanted to like incorporate different like female artists show solidarity across all like races and occupations and like that females in the industry can work together and not necessarily tear each other down um and that aspect like i really fuck with and like i guess i can understand why kylie jenner was in it for that reason i guess um i still thought she was out of place she looks out of place um but yeah i think that like they are getting a lot of backlash i've been seeing just how like vulgar and how like the lyrics are just so like hot (laughs) and i think it just brings up a larger conversation of just like the world is not ready for female like empowerment in that way sexually um and i think that the world is also like very uh conservative when it comes to embracing our sexuality um like our parts that we use to like participate in sexual activities um and so yeah i think yeah why can't they just fucking rap about their pussy as openly and i saw this video about cardi saying you know if people if women self-identify women aren't having a wet ass pussy then maybe that's because you have no idea on how to please women and she was just so fucking open about it if you know cardi you know how she goes off so i think i think it's just bringing a lot of relevant conversations as to why women just can't have pleasure yeah or yeah. own their sexuality, right? And yeah. they just look so fine in that video. They were... The I love it. Yeah. I love it. They look so good. Yeah. And also, anybody that has anything to say about, like, the level of explicitness of this song, like, if you can vibe to Too Short, if you can vibe to... E-40. E-40. Anybody. Any, any, any male rapper, rapper that, that talks like, about shaking ass, that talks about 
yeah, pussy. pussy, getting my dick sucked, like all that. There's literally a song that says, "I gotta get my bitch and get my dick sucked." Like, right. how is that? Like, don't for all those people like don't like don't make that comparison. Like, it's irrelevant. But right, yeah, right. we wanted to bring it up because it's stirring the pot in ways that I think we we like really vibe with, and it's beautiful to see like black women getting it, especially after what Megan is like coming out of and experiencing and healing. and healing from um i think that like her resilience is just like remarkable and the way like she got right back to work <laughs> um i'm not necessarily applauding it but i think that it speaks to the resiliency that that her and black women in general embody um yeah i it loki also ties back into our topic of violence against women mm -hmm. because in the media you just see it so often and in this particular moment when meg and cardi are being so open and owning their sexuality and being just having a good time together collaborating mm -hmm. owning their magic mm -hmm. and just to to see all the backlash that people are having i think it just highlights how violence against women is so ingrained in the systems that we are going to go in depth in. Yes. Thank you, Steph. Yeah, that's a really good note to like wrap this this section up on. Um, yeah, it, it, what we're going to be talking about today is like, um, yeah, we'll be we'll be really uncovering violence against women in probably ways that um we haven't really heard being explained in the media um because i think oftentimes we think of violence like physical violence against women because that's like what we see a lot mm -hmm. <laughs> of mm -hmm. in the media and stuff and all the other stuff that that can't be touched or seen doesn't really get validated in that way and so uh we'll be diving into that and um while i'm on it i also just want to give a content warning we will be talking about violence against women, though, and that includes sexual harassment, sexual violence, domestic violence, partner, intimate partner violence. And so um, if you don't feel comfortable with that, um, this might be a good moment to pause. The question that we're asking for this episode is how has violence against women perpetuated intergenerational trauma? Wow, what a <laughs> question to unpack because... <laughs> I would say from what I've seen in our friendship, Itzel, it really looks like we're both trying to break yes. the intergenerational shit that has gone yes. on in our families generationally, and we are trying to heal, but there's all these larger systems in place, such as patriarchy, capitalism, Misogyny. imperialism, yeah. all the isms that just continue to remind us that we are not worthy of healing and oh healing is a political act so there's a lot of yeah I think words that we've kind of thrown out in our podcast mm -hmm. and i think one of our biggest goals when starting this podcast was to make language accessible to make it digestible and mm -hmm. we want to take a moment to kind of go into what these larger systems mean to us mm -hmm. and how they have influenced our politics yeah thanks Steph yeah like Stephanie said um it's we're gonna be giving a lot of the groundwork for the conversation that we're gonna be talking about and also in our podcast uh or in our episodes we've noticed that we use a lot of big words that we know of because we we're in academic spaces and we went through like a formal higher education, whatever. And um, we're not trying to gatekeep or anything and we want to make our, our stuff accessible. And so for those reasons, we want to kind of give a breakdown um, or just our own definitions of why we use certain language, um, how we use it, from what perspective, why we spell certain things. Um, sometimes we like are really intentional of like, whether or not we want to capitalize things or how we want to spell it. Um, and that's all intentional. I think that we both are very intentional about about the work of our podcast. And so, yeah, we wanted to be clear about how we're using the word women. And so as you can see by the episode title, we're using women with an X and uh, with an X instead of an E. And this is on purpose. And Stephanie's actually, um, we had this conversation as we were like drafting this episode 
uh, because I spelled it differently. I spelled it with a Y and Stephanie and I had to have a conversation about using it with a Y or an X and it actually turns out that using women with a Y instead of an E is related to feminism that happened I think in the second wave which was really primarily it was like the feminist movement that was primarily led by white women um and then the word women with an x actually came in the third wave of feminism when a lot of black and queer female identified people activists uh were pushing the boundary around why is it with the y that's not gender or trans inclusive and so uh, we use the word women with an X to honor that that resistance and that disruption because we don't want to see the word men in women. <laughs> Literally. Sometimes that's that's all it is, but it's also acknowledging yeah, that exactly. the way you spell women is a political act yes. and language is also a political act because mm-hmm. how you choose to mm-hmm. disrupt the English colonizer language is a form of resistance and so we had to have that conversation but in case you see our stuff and you are wondering hmm why do you spell it with an x or what does the x mean you might have a little bit more background as to why we are doing that now so yeah and so when we say women we're we're referring to all the people who identify as women or like the women experience not only the women who were assigned female at birth um, and so mm-hmm. again, it's it's inclusive. It's trans and non-binary inclusive, and we want to make it clear that that's why we're using this. <laughs> and language is, it, like Stephanie said, is a form of resistance, and it disrupts the English language, like visually. <laughs> the first takeaway that we are doing is the systems that perpetuate violence against women, and basically our own experiences of when we've witnessed it or seen it play out in the mm-hmm. world. Yeah. Because, like I said earlier, violence isn't just physical. Um, violence shows up in mental, emotional, um, professional, systemic, and institutional mm-hmm, ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we want to share like the different ways that it can show up and then also share how we've seen some of those things in our personal life um, or in our life experience and we've seen it done to other people um, to, to just set the the context for how we're speaking on this and so violence against women can show up again physically also through the hypersexualization of female bodies catcalling emotional abuse um and that can look like manipulation <laughs> toxic relationships uh like one thing that i personally struggle with is like finding my voice or or taking up space that's what i meant yeah Mm, like taking up space taking up space yeah yeah and that comes from like the reason why i feel like i can't take up space is because of the violence that has been done to the women in my family and my lineage Mm -hmm. um and so it tripped me out when i first started learning about that because i always thought i didn't i didn't constitute it as violence because i didn't see it being this like i don't know like i figured like violence if somebody like if somebody was being violent towards me like somebody would say something you know like somebody Mm -hmm. would try to protect Mm -hmm. me or somebody would jump in or you know somebody would like yeah and i always thought that my definition of violence violence against women was more so physical Mm -hmm. and so i even remember talking about this last week when we both shared that it's uncomfortable to hear us talk on a podcast right and i i the reason i choose that example is because it goes back to kind of what we've seen in in our own families particularly in mine where sharing your emotions sharing your feelings opinions it just was not really accepted by the men Mm -hmm. including in my extended family or what's that called internal um uh molecular nuclear family Uh, yeah whatever (laughs) whatever but it basically impacted me in ways that i have not imagined that still kind of show up when i'm listening to our own episodes Mm -hmm. and i think for me and each cell to bring that up it kind of reminds us that it it still stems from a larger place yeah 
that we once saw in our families. Yeah, or in society. And so in order for violence against women to thrive, like, or not, I wouldn't say that, like, this, the systems that allow violence against women to exist and, and be present are patriarchy, which is a social system in which men hold primary power. And, and that's like the world that we live in. We live in a patriarchal um, government uh, society for the most part. <laughs> um, and we like violence against women also thrives under white supremacy capitalism because capitalism is so violent to women and exploits women in the global south in third mm-hmm. in previously colonized countries mm-hmm. that continue to have the production and mm-hmm. have it shipped to different places and have it sold and i just think it's all these systems that up hold it yeah, that uphold it and like make it seem like it's And then when okay. we see it at a micro level, it's oh, it's abuse in the family, it's mental Addiction, health, poverty, alcoholism, mm-hmm. but then you take a step back and say na na na, it's not just here, it's it's globally. Exactly. It's learned like yeah. we mimic systems, you know, like we can't act in a way that we're not taught to act in and I don't think majority of us have not been i don't know i think that we as people who identify with like the immigrant diaspora and low-income families and growing up in with parents who were brand new to this country um i don't i think that we like just mimicked (laughs) the systems around us and all of it is rooted in exploitation of goods labors and labor and resources um and so yeah violence against women goes hand in hand with systems as well as interpersonal engagements um and it's something that is internalized um in a lot of us and i think even us as like women like we also have to like check ourselves in the ways that we perpetuate violence against ourselves like when we gossip about each other or when we um deny like i don't know when we're just like envious of each other i think that that is how we participate in that as well um which is something that we're i think that we're like actively trying to um you know like put out although i i do think we see it sometimes um because that's the way we were socialized yeah in this larger system to not want to treat each other well or Mm -hmm. not celebrate it but Mm -hmm. sisterhood is political and it's a form of resistance yes and so i think that's one of the most powerful ways to disrupt the violence against women that we continuously see by just being fucking with each other and holding tight to your homegirls, your sisters, Mm -hmm. the people that you claim in your chosen family because that's what will really allow us to continue to bloom and protect each other. Yes. Yeah, I think that like building systems of care with your homegirls is the most revolutionary thing we can do Um, because we are just so... Like, I feel like both of us have really, like, a really solid group of friends who just show up for us in amazing ways and in ways that, like, really go against all of this so well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All of that to say that we we are actively trying to dismantle this violence against women um, ideology that is so deeply embedded into our society because it is... Um, it is super, super prevalent. It's a public health issue, really, and it's happening globally in different cultures. Like, it doesn't matter the color of the race, the class. Like, it happens all across the fucking scale. Um, and not that we need the validation of research because me and Stephanie telling you this should be, as, like, two female-identified people should be enough. Um, but all of this can be read up on can be fact check can be there's extensive research on the violence against women that is happening across the globe and so if you 
if we said something that you are like, mm, I don't know how true that is, well, go read it. Uh, go read about it. Um, it's regressive to any society. It doesn't help men. It doesn't help women, obviously. And it definitely does not help our children thrive in a better world. Um, and violence against women is a, a perpetuator of generational trauma, uh, which is part of the work that me and Stephanie are doing. Mm-hmm. And being intentional about how we dismantle all of this. Yeah, because ultimately it impacts us in the ways that we show up in our friendships, in our relationships, at work, mm-hmm. in our sexual life. Yes. Reminding us that we don't deserve to feel pleasure or that we don't deserve to get paid more mm-hmm. or our imposter syndrome. Our impon- Takeaway number two is really highlighting tapping into your divine feminine. And for everybody that looks different, Mm -hmm. and it's not always glamorous. I don't think we've defined it in previous episodes. Maybe we have, uh, just to reiterate, uh, divine being, acting in your divine feminism is... Is an art... And a way of honoring yourself. Yes. When I think of divine feminism, I just think of me... Respecting yourself. Yes, respecting myself and like in gold, lying by a lavender field. I'm unfazed. If I could be a tarot card, I'm the queen of cups. (laughs) She's just chilling by the water. (laughs) Nothing fucking bothers her. She's the ultimate definition of... Divine feminism. And I think that it's just this sparkly version of you that is transcending all the negative beliefs that you have in your mind. I think, and I think the question with this stuff that we wanted to share or the takeaway with this was how we ourselves work towards our highest self as a way to resist the violence against women. When it comes to doing that, I really think it's an ongoing journey of how you're defining divine feminism for yourself. Mm. And for me, I didn't start to have that understanding of divine feminism until probably one one and a half, two years ago. Mm -hmm. And I remember me and Itzel bought this book. Sacred Woman is the name of the book. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, we'll link it or we'll we'll give a description in our episode notes. Yeah, so Sacred Women talked about the womb and how the womb is so powerful yes. beyond giving birth. birth. And I just remember meeting so we're trying to read it and we never read it. We started a book club at, at work. work. <laughs> I remember one time talk Stephanie. about talk about ways to decolonize the workplace. Start a book club with your fucking coworkers. Yep, and use work time to do it yeah book a conference room take up the whiteboard discuss terms use the highlighters the post-it notes everything you got to take advantage of the system and in the smallest ways. yeah i guess now since we can't be physically with our coworkers, maybe like you can take the password account to the premium zoom (laughs) account and like have a a two-hour discussion with your homie on sacred with your work wifey on sacred woman (laughs) no but yeah steph you were you were the first person who introduced me to the concept of divine feminism oh shit um through that book yeah when you first like approached me you were like look what i got or like look what i'm learning and i was like wow dude like i think that was one of the first times where i was like damn like stephanie's like really about her shit like she's oh my god her healing shit and i was like let me let me listen let me let me go no with her to this pathway exactly success i was like let me follow my sister (laughs) i'm hella dead um but yeah channeling divine feminism i think for me is like you've shared stuff is a journey that I am not like this obviously like I don't know I would say that I have been a conscious person or an awakened person uh for about like four years five years now and on the path to divine feminism or like 
in my journey with that for about like a year um I still struggle though because I'm kind of a an impulsive person sometimes mm. and I'm I'm very much like let's live in the moment kind of person Ooh, that type of person <laughs> <laughs> tell us more it's <laughs> Well, I don't want to put myself on the spot. Why or, not? Like, roast myself. Sometimes you gotta give yourself all the gas. You're hella funny. <laughs> I'm not about to it's do that. Everyone. Yeah, I'm not about to do that right now. But I will say that I will be the first person to admit that I do not always act in my divine feminism path. <laughs> I struggle with her. But shout out to her. Shout out to her. She's patient. <laughs> I do in other ways, though. I do in other ways. Like, <laughs> how? And I think this is how, like, I want to share is that you can, like, two truths can be true, right? Like, I can say that I, I am on my journey of divine feminism. And at the same time, that journey does not apply to all aspects, aspects of my life. And Damn. so I can say that I act in my divine feminism at work or with my family hmm. or with setting boundaries in my relationships hmm damn i'm gonna like roast myself right now <laughs> but i do not act in my divine feminism all the time in my romantic life and oh, so shit yes that's what i'm saying um and so episode number two <laughs> this is episode number two all over yes, again this we're is episode number two sharing our truths Yes, and so I, I listen to, feminism. yeah, I listen to that. And not to say that I'm, like, a toxic person or anything. Like, I definitely do want to give myself credit in that way. Um, but I just share that because I don't want to create the illusion that we are divine femmes all the time. Or, like, make that the expectation because it's not. Um, and I think what we're trying to get a, a, across with this is just that, again, it's it's a dance. And so some days we will embody it hmm. very, very well. I like we that will, metaphor. And we will live. A dance. <laughs> we will live to it, to the T. And so divine fem, feminism, divine feminine energy always comes with, you know, pushing... Pushing yourself in a very healthy way to be the best version of yourself. But yeah. I just think it's like this this elusive way of talking about yourself. Mm-hmm. It's like, ooh, damn. She's, she divine. Like, yes. She got that divine energy. Yes. She a vibe. Like, she is on a frequency <laughs> that I need to, like... Level up for. Level up to. Yeah, because part of being a divine feminine... You're hell funny. <laughs> Seed over here getting all shy and shit. <laughs> she's, she's a real shy girl right now, but she's wearing a poppy juice shirt. How, make it make sense. I will not do that. I've already exposed myself enough for this episode. Do it more. Y'all gotta stay tuned. Y'all gotta stay tuned to that Free My Girls in Toxic Relationships episode that we got somewhere in the work wifey in the archives. Google Drive in the lost files. Um, it'll air. <laughs> One day. One day. Also, back to divine femininity, uh, is I like what you were saying, kinda like the regalness, the royalty. Yeah, it's that it's that rose in my yes. hand. It's that little sasson. The sasson. That, that little the, flick of the wrist. Flick of the wrist. Little, she got mm, the juice mm, in the mm. sauce. Yup, yes. yup, yup, yup. Yes. It's that's that's the ultimate divine energy. Yes. Holistic that, mommy. Holistic. Ho, yes. holistic mommy energy. Yes. And that also means doing the deep shadow work. Because it's not always roses and, and royalty. It is isolating and it is dark. Um, because in your journey to divine feminism, you uncover so much about yourself. Which is our takeaway number three. Look at that. Look at that. Wow. Alignment. Uh, takeaway number three is that the power to break curses lies in ourselves. And when we say this, we're referring specifically to intergenerational trauma. Mm. And so... Something I've been 
reflecting on right dissecting yeah and i, I feel quarantine has really pushed me to yes. do that even more Same, and because i'm just in my room with my thoughts and <laughs> i'm overthinking i just start thinking about my childhood mm-hmm. and i just came to admit i had a very fucked up childhood there was a lot of shit that i dis- dissociated from a long time ago and kind of wow. chose to forget because that's how traumatic it was and so can i ask you a question can yeah I, yeah go ahead can i ask you how you've te- like how you like you said you disassociated from it so how did you come back into so- association with it damn yeah so when i dissociated from these experiences in my childhood i think i came back to it by really asking myself hard questions mm. so whenever whenever i i started feeling a, something i have been exploring during quarantine is my abandonment and my codependency mm. and so when i would start feeling a little left out or lonely or fear of being forgotten or Mm. just little things like that i started questioning wait where does this come from what's the first memory that i have that i can remember where i felt really unsure of myself okay or it is it's like doing therapy on yourself Mm -hmm. low key Mm -hmm. and asking yourself those difficult questions and i would just lean into that moment and say wait when when did i feel abandonment in my life or when did i feel i had to please other people and who do i see that in my family you know yeah because it's all relational it's yeah. all what you see all what you it's see learned modeled, behavior learned yeah. fucking behavior that you're trying to break in your 20s wow yeah midlife crisis <laughs> Quarter life crisis, sorry. Yeah, I, I, I really think that's what my 20s are going to embody and capture. And it's just reparenting myself, overcoming my shadow self, seeing okay. myself in the mirror, the thorns, the roses, the soil, mm-hmm. the roots, what what grounds me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Thank you for sharing all of that, Stephanie. I think it's it's beautiful to witness that in person and also just like, archiving it in our baby podcast i think would will be a documentation of our growth moving Mm -hmm. forward it's an online journal it is an online journal um so thanks for tapping in (laughs) yeah i think for me that's like how has it been for you so i think for me like you think tapping into my intergenerational trauma it's interesting to hear like how it kind of came up for you Because it came up for me in a different way. It was almost like an epiphany kind of way. Like, I was, like, really in my thoughts um, about life. I was just sitting with myself in my room. And I have, like, pink lights in my room. Were you staring at them? I was. I have this, like, painting. hella in the zone. Dude, I have this painting that I painted. um, It's called the Oyin, which is, like, a symbol of movement in, in, like, Aztec wow history look at you huh and so i was staring at it but i was really sad and like i feel like i always carry the sadness and i feel like um not to like lower the the energy of the it's room, all good but i i like always felt like a, a sadness you know and i feel like it was always noticeable in my eyes like i feel like your eyes can eyes in general they're mirrors they're, to your soul. They're pathway to the soul. Yeah, literally. But I feel like eyes give you a lot of information about the state of a person. And my eyes always look so sad, like, kind of, like, droopy, you know? Not so much, but, like, too... You have the sad girl eyes. Yeah, I have, like, sad girl eyes. And, like, generally, like, I've felt more recently in, like, the new year. Not new year, but, like, in recent years. Like, I've felt a general, like, sadness that is consistent throughout the entire year damn um and i don't i don't think it's depression i mean i haven't gone to a doctor for it i'm in therapy hasn't came up but i i was like really thinking about why am i this sad like i have my basic needs met i have Mm. dealt with the grief in my life and i've i've tended to the parts that were hurting me before and i don't feel like anything is hurting me right now 
and no one is hurt. My family is safe. My loved ones are safe. So why do I feel this sadness? Damn. And I really started tracing it back and it came back to like my dad and my dad carried like he also like lived his life in like a sad under a sad like kind of, I would want to say like cloud and I wouldn't say mm-hmm. it's on purpose. Mm-hmm. I just blame it on like machismo. I blame it on like migration i Mm -hmm. also blame it on like the way that my dad was raised and like you know just like violence that has been inflicted on himself and like his lineage which is now my lineage and that you're caring and that that you're caring being forced to feel yes and it's crazy scary it's scary because i feel that way too where i came to a point Maybe even just a couple weeks ago where I said, damn, why is my sadness so deep? And why is it, why does it just feel so present? And mm-hmm. it's not, it's not mine. It's, mm-hmm. it's literally my ancestors just yes. wanting to, f- for me to free that energy yes. in a way that it hasn't. Yes. And so when it comes to intergenerational trauma, there's... There's many reasons for why it exists in our bodies. And one of them mm-hmm. might be that you might be experiencing it from mm-hmm. the people in your family, mm-hmm. the women in your family. Yeah, and it could be like shit that happened to someone that we never met, that you never met, you know, because it's a great, great grandfather, great, great grandmother, great, great uncle. And like we didn't have the opportunity to meet this person and. And it's just, like, emotion that is not processed in one generation and directly given <laughs> to the other one. Yeah. Um, and I think that, and, and that's not to, like, shame our ancestors because I don't think that they had the privilege and, the like, resources. the resources, the, the language to even be able to name these things. And so I think the what we've been talking about, Stephanie and I, is also just the power that naming it has and Mm -hmm. then also Mm -hmm. the power and because sometimes I feel like it can like it can feel like why do I deserve to heal or like I don't know yeah yeah and I think one thing we talked about is just like that's what we owe that's part of embodying our ancestors wildest dreams right like their wildest dream was to be creative be creative yeah be storytellers and be able to express emotion like in a natural way without facing consequences physically um, physically, emotionally mentally exactly or like fear of being rejected or fear of not being validated and and those are all things that we can do for ourselves now and so i uh, part of acting in your divine femininity is coming with your shadow self damn there it is and saying i see you I relate to you. I want to help you. And and, we're going to heal. And we're going to heal. Yeah. And we're going to do it in a way that honors our ancestors. Because this is what they wanted for us. This is the the their wildest dream. This was their imagination that we would have the time, the space, the language, the resources, the the privilege to be able to tend to these parts of our human being selves <laughs> right and i i just want to say Itza, you talking about it is so beautiful because i feel that you're doing the work Aww, right and you're, you're leaning into into your heart and that's a hell of a job yes it's to made do. me yeah it's i feel like i don't know if you felt this way in your journey but it's made me a lot more emotional <laughs> yeah and like like susceptible <laughs> to like it, it's a very vulnerable know. journey yeah and i think something else i want to include is just when you're breaking that intergenerational trauma in my family in my own experience it's it's been a very lonely experience mm-hmm. because not everybody is ready to have those conversations mm-hmm. on how toxic masculinity mm-hmm. is still showing up, how mm-hmm. there's substance abuse, alcoholism, and 
violence against women through through the years and still being perpetuated mm-hmm. and i think it makes you feel like this little awkward person in the family that might yeah. not be belonging or might not be loved and i think it's just this entire part of the journey that i have been honoring too where it comes with honoring my divine femininity and saying hey i'm i'm going to call in my family with a lot of love mm-hmm. and I'm I'm going to try to have these conversations with them on how they're continuing to hurt me or how their communication doesn't really align with who I am now and who I was when I was five. Mm. So I think it's always scary to be in those positions of breaking intergenerational trauma mm-hmm. because no one is there to validate you. Mm-hmm. And you just got to keep validating yourself and applauding yourself and loving yourself. Mm-hmm. And leaning on your your chosen family. Like me and Steph have each other that can, you know, if we can't get that validation from our family or, you know, you can validate yourself <laughs> so much. And sometimes you want external validation. It's it's always beautiful to be seen by by other people who see you doing the work to unlearn um transitioning into takeaway number four which ties into what you were just saying Steph about this could be a very isolating journey because obviously number one it's a deeply personal journey like no one will know that journey better than yourself because it's your it's your path it's your divine path and so sometimes when we're communicating it to family members or um, or other friends who may necessarily not come from the same background or I don't know I think I'm, I'm thinking more so of like family members like trying to uh, explain this to family members nonviolent communication mm-hmm. yep. and how like nonviolent communication is is a tool uh, a very helpful tool in trying to communicate the healing that you're going through with your family and other people. Um, so that's our takeaway number four, to use nonviolent communication as a tool to navigate the unlearning of violence against women and inter- intergenerational trauma. Yeah, and I think when I have reflected on nonviolent communication and I start to practice it or where... I've given feedback to people and I try to be very compassionate and honest about it. I always walk away from it feeling really empowered and really Mm -hmm. this, this feeling of, wow, it's Mm -hmm. possible to Mm -hmm. actually have a healthy dialogue where we didn't scream where we didn't raise our voices where we both felt hurt and the power was balanced and everything was okay yeah definitely um non-violent communication i think has been a really liberating tool for me because it like you were just saying stuff like these models were definitely not modeled in my cha- in my neighborhood or my childhood like the only way my family communi- communicated growing up was through yelling and like i don't think my mom my siblings <laughs> my dad ever we were able to have like a hard conversation without yelling you know it's sad it's sad and so for a long time i grew up thinking and acting like if there was ever a conflict or if there was ever a point of tension I had to respond to it with violence I had to respond to it by being cold and detached and already with this like power dynamic in my mind of like Mm -hmm. I need to win this argument or I need to win whatever it is right um, which is super harmful to relationships and like is actually really harmful. Like it's a harmful thing that we can do to each other. Yeah. And I would say at least in my own experience, what would come up is feeling like I'm always wrong mm-hmm. and that I don't have any ownership of my feelings, that they're not valid, that they're dismissed, that I don't really deserve to feel. And I think even as a kid that amplified me to feel even more 
and to feel 10 times more than what I was really allowed to do so in those moments. And yeah, it's always just interesting to have these healthier conversations mm -hmm. in the age age that we are now because it's literally setting down the foundation for how we want to build our own families yeah yeah exactly and there is like a, a clinical way of modeling nonviolent communication um we actually i don't know if you remember we attended a training on nonviolent communication while we were still working together it was hosted by rise we can cut this out oh do you remember yes that was a good training that was a really good training and i think the elements of nonviolent communication because I, I also think that that's like a jargony like term it essentially just means having a conversation with another person where you're saying what you feel the other person is saying what they feel you're both validating what you... You don't have to necessarily agree with what the other person is saying, but you can validate that those are those feelings are true. And then you both work together on a strategy, on a solution that feels comfortable to both people when there is a conflict, right? Mm -hmm. And it's helpful mm -hmm. in acknowledging conflict or setting a boundary with someone or... um. Yeah, I think that those are like... Yeah, and I think it's also hard too because you're taking all your thoughts from your brain into saying them verbally and making sure that they make sense and not wanting for somebody to just assume how you're feeling because mm -hmm. that's also a really violent form of communicating where you just kind of expect people to know yes. how you're feeling and they're passive aggressive and yes. that's not cool, that's not cute. And I have also carried that with myself in various moments mm -hmm. and what it's, i'm still trying to unlearn as well where i'm like wait what the fuck i do feel some type of way how how do i bring this up without exploding or how do i bring yes. this up without hurting somebody's feelings or still taking ownership of my feelings yes. and i think that is just it's fucking hard. hard it's exhausting to be in that space it's but, emotional labor yeah yeah and i i think when we do in that, in, in, when we, when we envision a world that is fully changed and fully healed, it comes with these tools of having nonviolent communication. Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. when we practice nonviolent communication, we are de-escalating from the potential of violent moments yes. that could lead to fucking prison, that mm -hmm. could lead to death death everything that we have talked about on our podcast till this episode yes. it really begins really small i think one thing that we always talk about is just like these really large systems that kind of seem uncontrollable um and one thing that i i want to share and something i always remind myself of every day because it can be overwhelming is that we can think globally and act locally with each other and like donate locally and be involved in local politics and it also means like really investing in our relationships with our friends mm -hmm. with ourselves with our partner with our family members and and really trying to restore the trauma that exists in any of those relationships because it's it's not it's not a fun burden to carry and it's actually limiting your happiness and growth in this world. Um, and we only have one life to live, so why not live the fucking best life? Period. You know? Exactly. Duh. Exactly. Exactly. Go work on yourself. Bye. <laughs> Don't go work on yourself. Because <laughs> I'm working on myself, you know? Like, we should both be working on ourselves, ourselves. always yes. always self-love self-love and so yeah if you haven't heard about nonviolent communication we definitely encourage you to look into it um there are definitely models out in the internet that give you kind of like a script of how you can model nonviolent communication because it is helpful in unlearning intergenerational trauma and unlearning the violence against women that we have been so deeply socialized to perpetuate um, but it also is really helpful as a 
if you identify as, as a woman or you are a person of color, it is very, it's a helpful tool to assert yourself in the workplace and in other areas of your life um, because it, it's, it's an empowering tool. Like once you can kind of manage it and once you kind of like start no. to get the feel mm-hmm. for it and, and are comfortable you, you, you know you vibing with it you go yeah i could do this yeah. i could i could bring this up this isn't that scary yeah yeah and that's it's, it's all about the compassion for yourself exactly compassion and just reminding ourselves and yourself that we are human beings <laughs> and so we should treat each other that way and we should be nice to each other and yeah, if you've made it this far into the episode, thank you we for see you. yeah. We see you, we respect you, and we love you. Yeah, we we're sending you hella hella love. Yeah. And this is just a bit of me and Itzel's journey on kind of what we're going through. And we want to hear your thoughts as always. Mm-hmm. Leave us some feedback. Yeah, this is also stuff that we've been able to tend to because of the pandemic because we've been forced inside and stephanie and i don't really go out and so we we spend a lot of time in thinking in thinking yeah and reflecting (laughs) reflecting about who we are who we want to be exactly what world we want to create how can we co-create it (laughs) i feel like i'm a little kid yeah but yeah we yeah thank you for for tapping in and listening to our episode again if anything that we said resonated with you tweet us like instagram us dm us personally we love to hear how some of the some of the stuff and our experiences resonate with all of you um yeah i would say one of my favorite parts is just after we release any content is just hearing people share what they took from the episode yeah because i think damn you took away that really like that's cool people interpret it very differently yeah so we love to hear that keep it up and we'll see you on our next episode episode six bye thanks for tuning in peace